Tonight, PHP Ugly is brought to you by Lagavulin. When you gotta do a podcast, do it with Lagavulin. You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast, episode 17, recorded Thursday, June 23rd, 2016. In this episode of PHP Ugly, we talk about Let's Encrypt Trademark Issues, PHP 7.1 Alpha 2 Release, October CMS Hits Version 1, Zend Framework 3.0 Released. Let's get started. It's time for another fantastic PHP Ugly. Whoa, how long have you been working on that one? Tonight, PHP Ugly is brought to you by Lagavulin. Lagavulin. You gotta do a podcast, do it with Lagavulin. Is that the one you took out of our office? No, I have to. I, that's why I'm drinking this one. I have to drink this one so I can drink the one from our office. This one is almost empty. We we finally emptied out our office that we have been leasing for the past year. Yes. Yep. It was moving day at Diego Dev. We had a lot of shit there, didn't we? It's funny how quick that stuff piles up. I still have my box. I don't even know what to do with the stuff right now. I had the box out in my car. I opened it up and grabbed out the few things that I needed for the office right away. Mm-hmm. But I still have that big-ass box out in the backseat of my car. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. We need another office just to put our office crap in. <laughs> oh. Whatever happened with the one? I will take this off air. Yeah. Yeah, that's always a great debate about working remote. You know, we 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 we're a little different than just your typical remote workers in the sense that we have our little company we're trying to run and and you know, we're coordinating with clients and with other developers, so we did find it somewhat beneficial to have a place to go to. And uh, so John and I continue to have a conversation of whether or not it's worth us to continue to have a place. I mean, we knew the place that we had. We didn't want to stay there. It was a long drive for me. John recently bought a new house. That made it a long drive for him. And God forbid John make a long drive. So (laughs) we nixed that office right away. You're just now uh, learning that, huh? (laughs) So oh, it, it, it served a purpose. I had to, I couldn't work out of my house from my previous place. So the office, I was getting an office one way or another. We just made it a company thing and it worked out great. Client meetings, various developers showed up there to co-work from time to time. So it was a great office to have. We just kind of don't need it anymore. Yeah, I think client, client meetings were definitely made easier by having an office. Yeah. Well, having a, having a conference room there was amazing when we got to use it, which was maybe, what, three or four times for the yeah. entire year that we leased it. Yeah, yeah, and then you're on a time crunch to finish up the meeting because it went longer. Somebody's allowed a lot of time and they needed the office. Yeah. So we had, shared office spaces. We have the great fun. debate now whether or not we, we want to continue with an office and... I don't know. We're kind of kind of up in the air about it. So stay tuned. It's ever. I don't want to pay. Story. I don't want to pay for an office. Let's put it that way. Let's find a free office space. Who's going to give us free office space with a conference room? An air conditioning, air, and conditioning, air conditioning, internet, and conference room. All is all all I need. Yeah. 
Well, we and, could see if we could get you could get bought by Perch. Well, no, and the office has to be within five miles of both Eric and I. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so that fictional we're not, we're not too drive picky. is working. Mm. Oh wait, we're more than ten miles apart. Yeah, yeah. that'd be difficult. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough to bend time and space to make that meeting. We'll make it happen. Stay tuned. More to come. We'll see what happens. So what have you guys been working on this week? Well, well hold on. I got told to stop telling my story because we weren't recording yet. I still have to tell my story. Okay. What story? We've been recording now for like 30 minutes. Where have you been? You were rebooting. Wow, uh, you've had a lot to drink. Skynet, <laughs> Skynet has taken down uh, another human. Uh, what are you talking you guys, about? You guys... Did you guys hear about Tesla's auto drive or uh, whatever they call it? Nope, I have not. I mean, I, I know what auto drive is. Yeah, so their their little auto drive system ran a car underneath a uh, 18-wheeler and oh, no. killed a guy. Uh, that's yeah. horrible. I mean, that, that's a sad thing. But the reality of it is, what's that, two cases out of all the Tesla cars? It's happened, like, what, twice? Yeah, sure. you know what? I'll take those odds. Here's the thing, though. There's a, a lot of discussion about whether or not Tesla can be held accountable for this because the software is currently in beta. Well, I, th- I think that's going to be a conversation that's going to be had regardless. I mean, whether or not the software is in beta or not, insurance companies are going to want uh, to recoup their costs, and they want somebody to pay for it. So... This is this is a bridge we're going to have to cross, and I think well, Tesla is the perfect company to cross it with. Let's absolutely. let's figure out what those uh, standards need need to be and and get them set. Um, but I mean, I've seen so many videos of Tesla cars that prevent accidents, uh, of people cutting people off and people not seeing you know another person and the. Tesla car just stops. Uh, there was there was a real popular one of an Uber driver up in San Francisco that I mean, quite frankly, saved the lives of many people. So, yeah, it's yeah, it gets into a psychological territory where you have to you have to look at the whole train lever situation. Do right? You pull the, do you pull the lever to save one person and kill three? Exactly. That, I mean, that's it. Exactly. It's it's where you have to have those really tough discussions. It's like okay. If if this technology costs the life of you know one person but saves a hundred people, is this technology worth it? The one the the family of the one person will say hell no. Well, it's it's yeah. tough, you know. I I, I I tell you what, I, I don't want any of my code running on any of that stuff. I I could <laughs> mentally handle it. Say wait a minute, I forgot to put a apostrophe and who died? Shit. Yeah, you know there's some Tesla engineer right now just having the worst night of his life. Oh, gosh, could you imagine? It's like, I'm a coder. How am I going to kill people? Wait, <laughs> my program had a car run off a cliff? Damn yeah. it. Yeah, it's, I mean, and you wonder, too, how many times you're running something that says, don't use this in production, it's in beta. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm always the first to say, I want the beta version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I'll run this in production. That sounds fine by me. <laughs> I never really thought of that as a risk taker's position. 
<laughs> I, I, I'm realizing I'm an adrenaline junkie here. I'm always using bleeding edge stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, I hadn't heard about that. That's that's terrible for that person or people. And uh, yeah, and there's still a lot of there's still a lot of questions. Um, the truck had taken a left turn in front of the the car that was using autopilot. Um, the truck was an 18 wheeler, so it was lifted up where the lidar system could not necessarily see that there was a truck there. Oh, wow. um, so it's basically as if a raised barrier had just been appeared in front of the car. Right. Um, as far as the, the lidar system goes. Uh, and, and it's not clear if anything was being done illegally, if it was an illegal turn or anything like that. Um, but the government is involved. Um, oh, FCC, I feel safe now. <laughs> yeah, the, the FCC is looking at the, the situation and analyzing everything. And um, well, like I said, the, these are these are questions we're going to need answered, and we're going to need to figure out what those questions are. So, unfortunate situation by far, but some somebody needs to answer it because my next car is going to be a self driving car. So, what? so I was going to tell you guys about my then my next meetup. You were I've, I've, did did I've anybody ask having... you about that? <laughs> I've been having trouble finding presenters uh, just because people don't well, like to why stick don't you their ever hand ask me oh careful there <laughs> careful there Congdon You're, so, you are in dangerous territory there I'm actually repackaging one of my old presentations that no one ever got to see because it didn't get attended by anybody because of a number of different issues. I don't remember um, this meetup you're talking about where nobody attended. Attended. What are you talking about? It was the first meetup of the summer last year, which is when our, our numbers really started to dwindle down. Is that the time you and, presented with your shirt off? Yeah, kind of, okay, it's coming back to me. It's yeah. coming back to me, yeah. It's, uh, it was just about computer security, and I'm going to be building a broken application and hacking it at the uh, presentation, so we're going to actually see bad coding and the consequences of it in practice. So you I don't need to build a bad system, just take some of mine. <laughs> well, I would, but I can't get PHP 4 to run on my system. <laughs> uh, good point. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, jabs. So, you, now you so yeah, know, be a good one. I'm missing the next Laravel meetup, you know that, right? Yeah, I'm at I'm at Laracon. I'm at the big boy meetup. <laughs> All right, we should talk about PHP stuff. I I have a uh, we did. I'll, I have a title. Tesla's for this built podcast. on PHP. They write all their code in PHP. Oh God, that's the problem. <laughs> that we don't need to fuel that fire. We can have people <laughs> saying not only is PHP bad, but it's officially killed someone. <laughs> <laughs> I have a title for this podcast. Oh, it's we're fifteen minutes in. You got a title already? Yeah. Twizzlers. Let's trade. Let's trademark. All right. What's the, what's the title? Uh, let's is... trademark. Trademark what? The title? Are you not paying attention uh, to anything? Well, have you not followed playing, the election? He's playing clips? who's on first, but there's only one player, so it's not working. <laughs> have you not followed the Let's Encrypt drama? I totally haven't. Oh yeah, I have actually. Hey, there's a I trademark dispute with Less Encrypt. 
Now, I, I, I happen to know that, but nobody put a freaking link in the card on Trello, but I just know that's what's going on. Well, I think everyone does because we've been talking about it for a week now. Uh, what's and going you could have got it from the context clues from uh, Thomas's intro to it. So, let, so the, let's encrypt. The trademark let's claim be is clear. Dropped. Let's encrypt for all of our listeners who've been coding in a cave in some cube somewhere. Let's Encrypt has brought secure websites to the masses. It allows you to add a, a cert. It's they're not we don't we're not supposed to say SSL anymore, right? It's TSL. Is that TLS. it? TLS. TLS. It allows you to get a free TLS cert for your domain. No catches, no hooks. The, the only catch is you have to renew it every three months. As opposed to a cert that you pay for that might be a year or two years, depending on how long you pay for it. And you can't do wild cards at this time either. All that aside, you can get free certs for domain. We use them quite extensively. There's absolutely no reason anymore for any website not to have a secure HTTPS connection. With that said, Let's Encrypt has run into some issues lately. Thomas, do you care to explain? Sure. Um, so a company named Komodo uh, decided that they were going to trademark the the term Let's Encrypt. Um, oddly enough, Komodo happens to be in the business of issuing TLS certificates. So once they did this, you know, seeing as they were going up against a 501c3 uh, that was giving away something that everyone needed and felt was important, then the internet naturally took uh, a bit of offense at it. So, the, officially the trademark claim has been dropped. Komodo is no longer going after uh, the ISRG, which is the group that runs Let's Encrypt. But it might have done some damage to their reputation, because being a dick kind of isn't a good thing for your business model. And all these certificate companies, I mean, unless you're like the real big wigs who deal with enterprises that want to pay two, three hundred dollars for a certificate, all these little fish out there, as far as certificate in the certificate field, I'm not sure how they're going to stay in business. I mean, what value are you going to bring to? the industry that Let's Encrypt isn't currently offering. The, the biggest thing is in the actual business validation. So like the EV certificates where they, they're supposed to take the time to really uh, validate who you are, what your business is. Again, I still think it's a bunch of crap, but it's what they do. So you get that green bar validation. And that's what you're paying for in that type of certificate. Outside of that green bar, most people, I don't think, go check the certificate to make sure that the it's been validated. All they care about is, is, my, uh, is the communication encrypted between my browser and the web server? And Let's Encrypt is providing that. Yeah. You know, they're not validating yeah. the, who's giving you the certificate or the site you're connecting to. Yeah, all it's doing is securing the connection. It's not providing any level of trust. 
It's not providing any level of authority. It's just saying this connection is encrypted. It's secure. But I'm willing um, to bet 99.9% of people out there don't know that certificates can give you that kind of validation. Or, or all care. they look for is yeah, all they look for is that lock. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's locked. I'm good to go. Right. But now a more trusted certificate will help SEO optimization stuff. So if you're running a secure but public site, then uh, Google will rank you up for using a better certificate. So it does become important at a certain point. Um, I, I've not heard that. That's interesting. If you're if you're doing just a basic service and a free certificate is what you need, then now you can have a free certificate on a, a top-level uh, authority. Um, and that's really the issue here is that Let's Encrypt got accepted as a certificate authority by the major browsers, which is what is allowing them to do this. Um, and it, yeah, it has pissed off a lot of people, and it's, it's going to cut into some of those certificate authorities that are reselling a domain above them or things like that. So it, it is, um, and, and like I said, this is a 501c3. This is a tax-exempt uh, nonprofit organization running this uh, certificate authority. And yeah, don't, don't try to steal trademarks from companies. That, and that was the excuse. Is Komodo, Komodo's CEO came out and said, well, they didn't put the trademark logo on their Let's Encrypt logo, which, which as a business, it is our job to try and secure our resources any way we can. And taking that trademark action was something that we had to do because it hadn't been properly trademarked in the logo. It's come on, this is bullshit. Yeah, the fact that the CEO you know? came out and said all the things they did say is ridiculous. The fact that Let's Encrypt does a 90-day certificate and Komodo did the same thing. And they're like, they could have chosen anything else. They could have chosen 89 days or 30 days, <laughs> right. 120 days. It's like, it's three months. I mean, <laughs> most people say three months is 90 days. I don't think they looked at your business model and said, hey, 90 days works well for them. Let's Let's use it. Exactly, especially when yeah. your business model doesn't make you any money. <laughs> well, see, the thing is, is you don't you don't know this, guys, but internally, ninety days is referred to as the the Komodo dozen. Okay. <laughs> so it really was something that was specific to their business. Long running jokes don't work on this podcast. Nobody listens to that many shows consistently. <laughs> uh, if you want to get that reference, go back to listen and listen to episode twelve. Now let's move on. Uh, no, really? it's it's 15, 15 through twelve. I've been making that joke every episode, at least once an episode. Right. You gotta go back to twelve to get the original. I'm impressed that you guys. On. Okay, okay. I'm impressed that you guys know what. Uh, actually, we're on episode seventeen, so you didn't. You didn't actually mention that. <laughs> How did I do uh, yeah. So, so dropped the dropped the claim, but they are still on a lot of people's shit list. Well, I won't be buying a cert for them from the meantime soon. I won't be buying a cert anytime soon, so nah. For sure. <sighs> so what other <laughs> what other uh, uh tools have you been using lately? Other than Let's Encrypt. You guys know uh you guys know Oh yeah, you guys know how nice and fast PHP seven is and how much I love it. So I've heard. So PHP 7.1 is now in its second alpha. Um, 
which should be leading us up to a feature freeze. I was actually wrong when I said last week that uh, they were in a feature freeze. They're still not in a feature freeze until the first release candidate. So right now they've got some new features in Alpha 2, uh, and we're seeing some good stuff. Um, there have been some minor tweaks. Uh, there was an RFC to replace missing argument warning with a too few arguments exception. This is another area where 7.0 had been replacing warnings with exceptions and errors with exceptions. Uh, so this is one that just got overlooked. Um, but we can expect the beta to be released on July 7th. So we're making some pretty quick progress. Looks like 7.1 should be out relatively soon. Cool. Yeah, I, I'm excited. I would be if I could get to 7 at all. Um, What's that? I said I'd be excited too if I could get to 7 on a client project that I'm working on. Whew. You're not allowed to. That's not going to get there anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not going to happen. Hey, uh, you, it was a big enough accomplish that accomplishment you got him off 4. True. That that code base is dead. Just for the record, that even what I made went from four to five. Even though it worked on five, it's dead. It's not used at all. Gone. Kaput. Doesn't matter. We're still gonna make fun of you. Yeah. No. It's never gonna be not funny. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Uh, you've got something for us, Eric, about October CMS. You don't tell me what I got, Mister. I can read the Trello. <laughs> You're destroying the illusion. Speaking of releases. <laughs> Jesus. Let me, let <laughs> Just me lean tell over you, and fart, right? <laughs> let me tell you about a release, mister. <laughs> <laughs> October CMS. Last, last week we talked about uh, Pyro CMS, which was a CMS system built on Laravel. Uh, actually, rebuilt on Laravel. Pyro CMS had been established, but the release 3 was r- redone on Laravel. October CMS has hit release 1.0, which has always been, well, yeah, I mean, it's always been built on Laravel, but my understanding of it is it's like a bastardized version of Laravel. I mean, would you... Yeah, it's sort of it's sort of Laravel deconstructed and then reconstructed into, for some reason, a completely different file system layout. Yeah, so Thomas and I have deployed October CMS uh, as our San Diego Laravel user group CMS. We really did it because we felt it was important to have something Laravel host our our website and. Uh, October CMS was kind of out there at the time. We obviously deployed an early beta version, so we haven't done uh, version one, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'm not too excited about this. Uh, my experience with October CMS has been kind of uh, mediocre. I mean, it's it works, um, but it seems like it, it's kind of falling short of its potential. Uh, much like John and his childhood. <laughs> True. But, I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah. Well, he's just, just frowning at this point. 
but it's out there. So we talked about, about Pyro last week. I wanted to make sure we, we uh, touched on October CMS, which has been, which has always been Laravel based, and they have finally released, reached release version one. All right. Um, you know, Zend Framework has also uh, released a new version. Is that some new framework? Yeah, Zend Zend Framework has hit 3.0, so it is technically a new framework now, I think. Now, Zend was actually one of the first frameworks, right? Right. Zend Zend is the PHP company that everyone has grown to know and love. They have a whole whole product line. They have Zen Studios and Server. I mean, Zen Zen Zen. If you're Yeah, Zen Engine. If you're in the enterprise and you want to sell PHP to your your Fortune 500 company, Zen is probably the product you're going with. But just because it has the name behind it, it has a company behind it, and they are yeah, the keepers th- of PHP. Yeah, and they have all the uh, service-level contracts and stuff that companies really want to hear and see. Uh, it's the, the important liability things are taken care of by going with Zen. Um, but with 3.0, we're actually getting an interesting announcement, is that the uh, Zend company is killing all support for 1.0. So with with the release of 3, we're seeing the absolute death of 1. 1 was a terrible framework. Terrible framework, but it's interesting to see that it was was still being supported and then now isn't going to be supported at all. But, but by supported, they weren't adding new features to this. So people should be upgrading anyway. They were just keeping bug fixes or security fixes probably up to date. Right. Yeah, sec- security fixes and then contracts that they had with people who were still running one were being supported. But I think they will be ending support for those contracts as well. You don't get an SLA from them anymore. Hmm. So you're going to upgrade or die, basically. In a typical enterprise fashion, I mean, let's be let's be real. Zen, they're only at version three, really. Laravel is at version five point. They're coming out with five point two, and they've only been on the market for three years. Five point three, actually. That's what I meant to say. Don't correct me. Yeah. <laughs> well, Laravel Laravel moves at a, a brisker pace than well, what's most at? other. So yeah, Symphony's at three as well. I mean, they're clearly they're moving at a much more deliberate pace than I would say Laravel is. That's that, but again, that's that whole enterprise mentality. Yeah. So we have another topic to talk about. It's HTTPS, <laughs> M-U-R-Z-E. What the hell is this? What are you? It's a link. What are you sending me links for? So what is this? I thought this, EU I thought this was interesting. That we're looking at. I I follow a lot of Laravel blogs and stuff, and this came up and said, you know, this is a, a plugin that quickly, quickly makes your Laravel app comply with the crazy EU cookie law. Um, Which is you know, fortunately, fortunately, this no longer applies to Great Britain. So you, if you're in Great Britain, don't <laughs> worry about it. You're screwed in completely different ways. Um, I thought this was interesting, is that there is a law on the books for EU servicing websites that says you have to notify users of your intention to use cookies to track their their sessions and any other information. You have to be 
uh, very, very explicit and say, this is what we're using cookies and this is why. And I, I saw that and I just thought, God, this is what, this is what tech law written by people who don't understand computers looks like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, I see that on sites I use currently and just didn't know why they, they did that. <laughs> yeah. The reason is because of this law. Um, fortunately, this is an easy thing to comply with. You just have to have a little banner that states that you're using cookies and that they have to click it to allow. But I mean, this screws up SEO in so many ways. This screws up analytics that you're not allowed to issue a cookie until they have opted in on the site, which I can't believe the headache that that's causing for some developers. You know, we don't have to deal with this right now. We're not developing anything for the EU market, but can you imagine what your analytics look like the next day after after you implement a cookies opt-in policy. It's just wow, got to be crushing. I've always been really curious about how they police this. I, I think this is uh, policed by taxes. This is all tax law stuff. So if you're running a business in the EU that needs to collect money from people in the EU, you can get you know, targeted by an authority that actually has the ability to do something. Hmm. Um, you know, it's it, it would be enforced in the same way that you don't really think about how handicapped parking is enforced until someone gets sued because their handicapped parking isn't good enough. Um, so, yeah, I we've seen similar laws get proposed in the United States, but it, it really hasn't happened yet. It hasn't been that bad. Uh, fortunately, our judges are getting more and more technical. They are capable of making decisions on cases like these. Um, but it, it does point to a scary reality, which is that laws are being passed by people who do not understand the implications of the laws that are being passed. Um, and, you know, right now, there's a large group of musicians who are trying to get the DMCA laws amended that allows them to sue YouTube, basically. Um, and if you've dealt in, in any way with content creation on YouTube, the DMCA is already horrifically broken and favors the artists in an incredibly heavy-handed way, and they just don't believe that it's enough. They want more control over content that's being created by people uh, because their music videos are being shared on YouTube by unofficial YouTube channels. Uh, it, it's It's pretty scary stuff to see laws that are being written by corporate entities like this handed to people who are willing to just pass them directly onto Congress. Interesting. You guys don't have a problem with uh, the corporate overlords writing tech laws? Corporate corporate overlords write every law. What are you what are you talking about? The fact that a SWAT team could come busting into a private residence's house because he's accused of stealing music is bullshit. Now, there was a ruling about this. Um, a very important ruling. Let me pull this up real quick. Let's throw some silence. Need some Jeopardy music right here. Good call, John. You and I, right here, brother. Right here. I'm telling you. Okay, so uh, <clears throat> this happened on March 24th. Uh, but it's it's got a 
interesting implications. Uh, this is a ruling in Florida that said, I'm sorry, this is the wrong article. Shit. Good job, Tom. In Okay, that's related, though. In 2004, there was a judge who had ruled that an IP address does not identify a person. Right. So when someone's being tracked down, you have to have more than an IP address to issue a claim or to, to successfully claim that they had downloaded something illegally. Um, but uh, another new ruling recently uh, came from a judge who stated it out of hand. It basically didn't allow a trial to even begin. Uh, rejected the case from the claimant that the person had stolen something because their only evidence was the IP address that they had tracked. So this is an interesting ruling because it puts a big damper on a lot of the uh, techniques that are being used to to mitigate piracy. But uh, can't they can't they go to the ISP and find out where that was assigned, what user that was assigned to? But that's simply not enough. All that does is point to a computer, but you cannot tell just by looking doesn't at a computer whose computer. behavior... It doesn't even point to a computer. It points to a router. Right. Right, right. So that person could be running a Tor endpoint. That person could be on a compromised machine. Uh, that person could have a compromised machine somewhere else on their internal network. You know, there's any number of ways. And, you know, when you look at botnets that are running... 200,000 clients. I mean, that's 200,000 people who don't know what their computer is doing. In cases like that, you just you can't say that an IP address gives you a person. You can say an IP address gives you an address, a, a home address, but you, you don't know what's going on inside that home, and you can't decide that person is guilty of any kind of behavior just because of the IP address. You're assuming neighbors so, haven't leached onto the network. You're assuming friends didn't come over. I mean, there's so many Right. O- open Wi-Fi access points or anything like that. You know, my Wi-Fi can be accessed from four separate apartments well, in I, my again, area. And to this day, it's greatly concerns me. My computer's my life. I mean, I don't say that in the sense that I can't live without being on the internet. No, I can't make a living unless I have connectivity to the internet. I mean, it's how I live. The fact that at any point the government could come knocking on my door and accuse me of something and, you know, as part of their accusations, take every computer I have in the house out for to do their forensics on, which, again, I have no oversight on. I have no idea what they're doing to my computer. Uh, you know, they're they're you know they're supposedly, you know, they're the government um, specialists, and and they're taking care of it. You know, meantime, I can't make a living because they've t- basically taken my livelihood away. That to this day terrifies me. I, I don't mean to sound like one of these guys who wants to go live in the woods and is anti-government. I'm completely pro-government. The problem I have the, pro- the problem I have with the government is their views on these topics and they're not they're not moving forward fast enough to uh man, I don't even know how Oh god he, he locked up yeah, I don't. I don't even know how, how I want to word it. They're not m- moving quick enough. They're not moving at the internet speed, and and that's that's a problem. And it's yeah, they're, I, they're I, not following Moore's law. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I I it's one of my biggest fears. 
I mean, I just, I think, and I, I've made some accommodations, so if that ever happens, that I could continue to make a living, uh, because I have other solutions in place, but I'm not going to tell you what those are. <laughs> do you have Do you have one of those floppy disks that you coded in? Uh, I have Raspberry you... Pi stashed all over Pally right now. <laughs> you know, you've got one of those floppy disks that's coded in uh, super glue, so that if you put it in your in your system, then the whole thing just cooks; it just starts to burn. <laughs> yeah, you know, the more I the more I become dependent on my computer for my livelihood, uh, which is at this point a hundred percent now then the more I start thinking about whole disk encryption and the things that I need to do that normally the government would look at it and say, oh, well, then you must be a terrorist or something awful yep. because you're doing, you're, you're hiding stuff from us and we don't want you. Like, no, I'm hiding stuff from everybody else. I'm hiding stuff from everyone. I don't want my data to be compromised in any way. I have full database dumps of large systems that need to be secured you know, stuff that I, I have it for five minutes while I run it and test it, and then I have to delete everything because I want to make double dog sure everything gets cleaned up. Nothing is is out there for hackers to try and take advantage of. Yeah, and and not to the same level of that, but sort of sort of on the same plateau is you know we we've worked on projects where. Developers have been completely down because their laptop crashed. Like they have a single point of failure. It's their laptop, and you'd be on a meeting with them in the morning, like, "Oh yeah, I can't work for the next couple of days. My laptop, I have to take in and get get worked on." It's like, really? You've got one laptop, and if that's down, you can't work anymore. Seriously? That's that's it. <laughs> that happened. Yeah, that happened to somebody I know recently who spilled water on his laptop. Literally, oh, literally a glass of water sitting next to him. He knocked it over, and he's out of work for like three, four days. Out of work, and then out of whatever thousand dollars it costs to get a laptop fixed, yeah. and the yeah. and the income that he lost because he couldn't <laughs> work. Yeah, that's why. That's why you use uh, Vagrant. You, if you ever need to rent, you know, quickly roll up a quick production machine. Or not production development environment. You can you can put a development environment in place with Vagrant surprisingly quick. Well, I, I'm to the point now. If I can get a machine that has terminal on it, then I can get to a server and and, and get work done. Uh, I'd be absolute worst con- case scenario. I have a Chromebook. Chromebooks are a couple hundred bucks. So even if I didn't have a Chromebook, I could go to Best Buy and buy a Chromebook. It has an SSH terminal uh, client you can bring up inside of it, and I SSH to a server, and because I'm a Vim guy, I was gonna say, I'm good. Know your Vim, kids. That's it. You yeah. want to know your Vim, baby, because uh, that that allows you to stay productive. Maybe but, not, but I, maybe not but as have, productive um, as you're used to, but... Yeah, and I, and I have probably two servers right now set up that have my complete Vim configuration, my Tmux configuration, um, a couple of very important uh, settings that I have that allow me to be productive that I can log into and just get working. Um, so yeah, it's uh, you should never, if, if this is how you make a living, 
then it's your responsibility to make sure that that's not all dependent on one piece of hardware. Um, whether it's a keyboard, a monitor, uh, you know, a laptop, you you can't let one piece of hardware cost you that much money. It's just dollars and cents at that point. Exactly. Well, this episode has gone exceptionally long. And exceptionally serious. You guys suck. You know how freaking hard it is to find the beginning? You guys suck. You thought thought the story about our corporate overlords was too serious? Yes. Not that one. That one was silly. Well, at least we opened with the story about a car killing a person. There you go. There's something. You know, start start high and low. That's isn't that what you do? That's a very good way to recap the show. Good job. <laughs> Thanks, Thomas. Well, you've been listening to another episode of PHP Ugly. I'm Eric Van Johnson. I'm John Conkin. I'm Logavulin. You're Logavulin this week. Last week you were what were you last week? A little teapot. You were a little teapot. I'm I'm a little teapot. You were a little teapot. That's that's how we ended the show. Yeah. You're a little teapot. Today you're Lagavulin. Today I'm Lagavulin. Today we're all Lagavulin. Thank you for listening to the PHP Ugly podcast. PHP Ugly can be found on Twitter at PHP Ugly. You can also follow the host, Tom Rydell, on Twitter at Real Rydell, John Congdon on Twitter at John Congdon, and myself, Eric Van Johnson, on Twitter at Shokum. That's spelled S H O C M. Notes and links from this episode can be found on GitHub at github.com forward slash phpugly forward slash podcast.